Welcome to the Mark Sterry Music Podcast. This podcast is an audio journal of my guests and I's adventures throughout the live and local music biz. Fun conversations, cool tunes, and good times will be had. My name is Mark Sterry, and I'm a 15-plus year veteran of the Twin Cities, Minnesota metro music scene. Check me out at Mark Sterry, that's S-T-A-R-Y, music.net. Also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. My new album, White Knuckle Life, as well as my other original records, are available for download on iTunes, CD Baby, etc. This podcast drops every Tuesday, if not before, on iTunes, SoundCloud, and most other places podcasts are available. If you enjoy it, please subscribe on iTunes. It's totally free and guarantees you'll never miss an episode. Also, consider helping get the word out in the street via social media, five-star rating and review on iTunes, word of mouth, etc. Happy Thought of the Day is by Jay Leno. I went to McDonald's yesterday and said, I'd like some fries. The girl at the counter said, would you like some fries with that? Thanks for tuning in, and welcome to the Mark Sterry Music Podcast. Enjoy! Welcome back to the Mark Sterry Music Podcast, episode 32, last week's gigs wrap-up. Well, most of last week, I was out in Colorado and had an awesome, awesome trip. Minus the elevation sickness I had last few days, I'm excited to go out there again sometime soon. But made it back Friday to rock out with Mr. Brian K. Johnson at Lucky's 13 in Plymouth, Minnesota. It was a beautiful day, and it was great to see all the Stews Warriors out in full force. Saturday. Mr. Brian K. Johnson and myself rambled on up to JJ's Pub at Commander in Breezy Point, Minnesota. It was National Paul Gable Appreciation Day, and it was a very moving and wonderful party. Upcoming shows! Wednesday, May 25th, 2016, I'll be performing a solo show at Pub 42 in New Hope, Minnesota from 8 to 10 p.m., Thursday, May 26th, 2016, Mr. Brian K. Johnson and I will be jamming on out at the Wyzetta Bar and Grill, a.k.a. the Muni in Wyzetta, Minnesota, from 8 to 11 p.m. Friday, May 27th, 2016, I'll be playing a solo show at Danny's in Stillwater from 7 to 10 p.m. Saturday, May 28th, 2016, Brian K. Johnson and myself will be rocking and rolling out at the Thirst Yatter in beautiful Balsam Lake, Wisconsin from 9 to 1 a.m. Sunday, May 29th, the new Mark Sterry Band featuring Allie Gray, Brian Johnson, and Brian Liggett will be rocking out again at the Thirst Yatter on the patio, hopefully, from 4 to 8 p.m. Stop in and check us out. Guest this week is part two with the popular Texas slash Minnesota rocker, Mary Kutrafello. We discuss her live performance on Jay Leno, performing on national television, touring with the Allman Brothers, etc. Enjoy the conversation. Miss Mary Kutrafello. Hello. Kutrafello. Thank you for being on part two of the Mark Sterry Music Podcast. We are still here at Skinner's Pub and Eatery Indeed. in beautiful St. Paul, Minnesota, one mm-hmm. of my favorite cities, if not my favorite city in the world. 
It's awesome. Um, we are still here. Now I got rid of that Diet Coke finally that had been bothering me and got myself a fresh squeeze, which Mary was drinking too, one of my favorite beers of all time. <laughs> it's a beautiful thing. And as I was ordering it, the coolest clock is at this bar. As a pro wrestling fan, <laughs> there's a, a huge life-size painting of Mad Dog Vashon. This world is not big enough for both of us. This is a tent match coming up, and some of us, one of us will have to leave this world. On a clock or something. It is very, very cool. Yes. You and either I'm, know who that guy is or you don't, and I didn't, so. Yeah. <laughs> it's an old pro wrestling guy. And then I sat down here setting up my stuff, and we're amongst these, these folks playing cards around us, and I'm wearing a wrestling T-shirt that says Samoa Joe. And they asked me, like, where is Samoa, or what is Samoa? I don't know anything about Samoa. Do you know where Samoa is? All these people were talking about no one had any idea where it was. Like, like the islands? Like the islands. Yeah, they're in the Pacific somewhere. You're right. You're the only one in this whole place that knew. And I had a search that says it. Says Jeez. Oh, whatever aside. <laughs> anyway, it's a beautiful day here in St. Paul. This is part two with Mary Coutrefello. Um All right, where were we? Where were we? Uh, okay. <laughs> so here's a rougher... So here's kind of music side questions I wanted to ask you. I know... Okay, some of us that do sing a lot and work a lot, um, we worry about our throat health and sure. things like that. And I know that you have had trouble with, is it polyps or nodules? Uh, yeah, polyp. Polyp? Yeah. Um, can you share your experiences with that and how you prevent that from happening now? Well, um, this was in 2004, late 2003 maybe. And I just moved up here and put a rockin' band together. And um, it's more of a rockin' band than the bands I'd had in Texas. That's kind of why I moved up here, was to kind of get back into, you know, explore my inner melon camp, I guess. And, um, and I think because of just singing in a different style, um, I, I got to the point where I opened my mouth and nothing came out, which... Like, literally nothing like, came literally, out? Literally, it was like... It was like, like almost like laryngitis. I mean, like nothing would come out. Like air would come out. Did it hurt? No. That was the weird thing about it. Like it never, at no point did it hurt. Um, but I went to the doctor and explained what had happened. And he goes, oh yeah, you got, you got nodes. It's like, I don't, even, I don't even need to like stick this tube down your nose to look at your throat. And I said, good, please don't. But he did anyway. Um, For and the listeners, what is a node? A node is basically a, a, a callus on your vocal cord. And uh, it makes a little bump, and because the bump is there, the, the, two, the two cords can't come together and close, which is, which is where the air, which, which is why you get air, because there's nothing stopping it, right? Um, but you don't, you, and you can kind of speak, but you run out of breath, because there's all this extra air that's coming through, um, and you can't, you can't hold any, any notes or, you know, any, any prolonged sounds okay in current music is it similar to what adele had i don't know probably so i mean not nodes or whatever yeah i mean what i had was technically a polyp nodes are the same they're not medically the same but they they, they do the same thing okay. and, and the treatment right. is the same okay so. so what happened then well um i had to stop singing and i i had to i kind of quit i mean i didn't quit talking 
to the point where I was like writing things on a piece of paper or anything, but I, I couldn't I couldn't speak at at the at the level I'm speaking to you now, which is just conversational level. Wow. I mean, it was I spoke really quietly, and um, this went on for like eight months. Um, the alternative was surgery, and it was right after Renee Austin had her issues, and like I wasn't gonna take that chance, you know. Um, so after eight eight months or so, I started working with a um, a voice therapist, speech therapist, and she taught me some breathing techniques, which were nice. I mean, I I I had taken some singing lessons in college, so I knew a little bit, but we'd worked on some other things, and and um, but a lot of it was just strengthening my my throat muscles because okay. when you don't speak, like any other muscle that you don't use, they atrophy, and it was like. The node or the polyp was gone. Like I had my full vocal range back, um, but I would get tired. Like I, I couldn't talk on the phone for like more than like a few minutes. It's just like really? my, my my throat muscles would would get sore. Like if I had just gone and like gone to the gym after not going to the gym and like you know blew it out on on the on the machines. Yeah. You know, and it took quite a while for them to to just be able to support my. My even talking, little and then singing was a few months down the road from there. It was about a year that I wasn't able to really to sing professionally. Wow, I know. Um, how is it now? So through rest, it became better. Yeah, just from like any callus. If you don't use it, then it goes away because it's not needed. Okay. Um, and uh, so I'm more susceptible to them now because I've had one. It's one of those things. Um, I don't play nearly as much as I used to. That isn't really why, but it, it doesn't hurt, you know. It helps to, that I'm not constantly pushing it into that place where it, where it happened before. Um, the interesting thing, though, was I got... The main reason I did that long rehab as opposed to surgery was um, I didn't want to come out with a different voice. That's the next thing I was going right. to ask you. And and I did. But... Um, it's a voice that I like better. How freaking so cool is that? It was different. That's one of my well, biggest nightmares. It of is. All time. It is different. Um, my falsetto is very undependable. Like I can keep it in pitch, but it just just some days it just doesn't show up. Okay. You know. Um, but I got I got this really gritty bottom end. I got like I and I was like like E. The E, um, the E on the D string at the second fret was about as as low as I could reasonably go, um, and and be in in pitch on a consistent basis before. Okay. Now I can get all the way down to D, and occasionally <laughs> C sharp if I'm if the conditions are you know the atmospheric conditions are just just so. Um, D is a lot more useful than C sharp though. Uh, so that was and and just the that. From from that D, you know, up up like a half an octave or so. There's just this 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 depth and resonance that I never had before. Huh. And it was, I mean, it just when I started singing again, it just came out, you know, and it came out in the country stuff from the '90s, you know, that was kind of written in that part of my range anyway. Okay. And it was frustrating to me then that I couldn't really I couldn't sing the sound in my head. Now I can. Very cool. It was it was awesome. That's why I made um, 
that's why I made the, the next two records, uh, the acoustic EP and then especially Fireflies Till They're Gone. Okay. Uh, that one in particular explores that part of my range. I mean, that's kind of what the point of that record is. It's like, listen, listen to this great voice I've got now. This, cool. is what, this is what I meant like 20 years ago. Who are some of your favorite vocalists? Um, man, there's a lot of people that just, I love the way they sing. Um, I don't know that I really like took cues from any of them as far as what to do, but, um, you know, Waylon was a tremendous singer. Yeah. Just a good old boy, never meaning no harm, beats all you never saw, been in trouble with the law since the day they was born. Uh, so much, so much passion, and and vulnerability in his voice, even though he had that kind of tough guy outlaw demeanor. I mean, if you listen to him sing, I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of vulnerability in there. Um, you know, I, I I love Willie's phrasing, and which has gotten it's weirder and weirder. Bizarre. I don't know if you've seen him lately, but it's like. His his bass player Kevin Smith, um, I know from Austin, from the, his rockabilly band High Noon back in the '90s, and and I mean we're not fishing buddies, but I know him a little, and he played on one song on um, Fireflies, so I brought him a copy at a Willie show, and and I and I, I'd seen the show, and, and it was like his 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 phrasing, he gets so far away from the beat, and I go. Tell me if I if I heard this right. Sometimes you guys just like leave a measure out, right? And he goes, yeah. <laughs> he goes, we all kind of look at each other, you know, and we just because like sometimes we do it, and he's cool with that, and sometimes he'll kind of give you a look like, dude, I, I saw what you just did. Did they ever ask him why he does that? I, I, I don't know. Just because he I, can. Just because he's willing, and it was, it was even when he was younger, his phrasing was it was a very embryonic version of what it is now. It's yeah. kind of just been trending that way, but. Um, it was, but no, it was, it was, I just, I love that he's just, he's that, it's, it's like a jazz thing. Yeah. You know, he just kind of takes it where it feels, where it feels like it needs to go. So Merle and Willie, Merle, how about some female vocalists? Um, Bonnie Raitt. She's a great singer too. Um, the I I don't have as many female vocalists, people that I really, I don't know, just for some reason maybe because my voice doesn't do that. Okay. I didn't you know? I mean, a great singer is a great singer, but my favorites have tended to be tended to be guys. Huh. That's cool. Um, so I wanted to ask you about something. Just moving on to something else. You had a very unique experience. You play the Jay Leno show. What was that like to play such a big stage in front of a big audience um, and that whole experience? It's like a dream come true. It's like a kid shooting free throws at a practicing bat. One day I'll shoot the one to win the... Right, right, And every right. musician sitting in a coffee house going like, one day I'll play one of these these popular night TV shows. Absolutely. At first, so how'd you get it? Um, you did a great job on there. Thanks. Um, Anyone can find it on YouTube or your website it's or right whatever. right up there on my website, yeah. And how did you pick that song? And 
what was it like? What the whole like? experience. If you don't mind just sharing that story. Yeah, with yeah, us. no problem. Um, well, the song was the single. That's why we played it. Um, she can't let go, right? Right. And um, fortunately, it was almost exactly three minutes and thirty seconds. <laughs> like it was, it's like three thirty-two or three twenty-nine or something like. So I didn't have to edit it because in those days, I mean. You, you, they were there. I don't know how they are now, but in the, you had your three and a half minutes, right? Yeah. And I can't. I mean, I was. I was. I'd like to say I wasn't nervous, but I'd be lying. I was a little nervous. Um, I had already done some TV, so I wasn't completely freaked out. But you do get a, a nice adrenaline rush. Yeah. Because it's, it's you know stakes are high, and you know you're ready to knock it out of the park. And um, so I was very happy that I didn't have to worry about making an edit to a song that had never had an edit before. Oh, you're talking about performing and having right. to edit not, it. Right, not having to cut the song in any way. We just played it the way we play it. Mm-hmm. That made me happy. Uh, what, uh, I, my, my manager got that gig. She worked with some other artists and artists that had, you know, that were, she worked with Patti Loveless and John Prine and other artists at that level. So she was, she knew all those people. Okay. And this was, you know, the the one that booked that show was the one that bit, and um, so there I was. I had a record release in Houston. So the record came out on a Tuesday. That show was on a was Wednesday, I think. Yeah, because we we did the record release and I hopped on a plane. The record was in Houston, which is where I was living at the time. Hopped on a plane and flew out and did it the next day. Um, I mean, it was the day after. I forget. It was the next thing I did. Okay. Right. And we went directly out there. Um, was it your regular band? It was my well. It was it was my regular band at the time, which was uh, Roland Denny on bass and Dana Miser on drums, who were just local Austin guys. And my keyboard player was Danny Federici from Springsteen's band. Really? Yeah. Yeah. He was not nervous. I bet not. <laughs> he played at Springsteen. He was wow. the, 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 the organ player. The Phantom, really? Phantom Dan was, was my guy for about four months. Yeah, That's very was, cool. Was, How'd you hook up that, ga- that guy? The guy who produced my record, Tom Panunzio, was, um, worked on... Worked with Jimmy Iovine on um, uh, Born to Run and Darkness. He was like a tape op. Jimmy Iovine? Yeah. Like Dr. Dre beats headphones? Well, this, is be- this, was- <laughs> this was before that. Now let me welcome everybody to the wild, wild west. A state that's untouchable like Elliot Ness. <laughs> he was much more, he was much better known as, as the, yeah, as the, uh, the Stevie Nicks guy. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that was his claim to fame before Beats, but um, yeah. I don't have Beats headphones here, Mary. Mine are just junker no, Sony. Want, you want headphones that? <laughs> I've never seen Beats headphones in a recording studio. That's all, yeah. all I'll say about that. Anywho, but um, yeah. So Tom worked under Jimmy uh, in the in the seventies in New York when he was doing the Springsteen stuff, and he stayed in touch with them and. Um, and at, at the end of uh, making the record, um, oh, I have to tell you, he had this blue tambourine in his box of goodies that went okay. around. And it was the one on uh, 
Darkness on the edge of town. Well, it's still racing down at the trestles, but that blood had never burned in her veins. What? Da da dum, dum, da da dum. Right? It's that that actual instrument. Of course, we had to use it on the record. Of course. It's in there somewhere. <laughs> I forget. We, we did not you use it to Jay Leno play it as, as, dramatic, as dramatic effect as, as they did. But um, anyway, so Tom, so at the end of it, it's like, you, you're going to need a, I had been a trio up to that point. He said, well, you need keyboards on this because they're all over the record. And um, as I know, I, I, I don't even know the keyboard players in Texas because I was doing a country thing and there's, there just weren't any country keyboard players. Yeah. You know, they're not too many anyway. Uh, I wasn't going to get Floyd Domino. So um, so he said, well, you know, he said, I, I wonder what Danny's doing. I'm like, Danny who? Federese. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I wonder what he's doing too. I like Springsteen. Well, then I go back home to Texas. And like, you know, a week later, whatever it was, the phone rings in the middle, you know, like 10 o'clock in the morning, which is early for me then. And I'm like, hello? Mary? Yeah. This is Danny Federici staring at the phone going, no, come on now. And it was. And he said, Tom Pernunzio said, you were, you know, he, he gave me, he let me listen to your record. I really dig it. He said you were looking for a keyboard player, and I just want to let you know I was available. Wow. It was like that. Yeah. I know. That's awesome. I think about it now. I was like, did that, was that my life? Did that happen to me? <laughs> <laughs> so, so he was on the Leno gig. So he was, yeah, it was at that time, and he toured with, with me, that was in August, and he stayed with me through about Thanksgiving when Bruce got the E Streeters back for the Blood Brothers. Okay. That was, that was at that time, and that was when, I mean, we were taking a break for Christmas anyway, and he stayed with me through that. We did a bunch of shows with Government Mule, which was fun, with, him, that, okay, with him on Government keys. Mule, that, isn't that uh, Warren Haynes? Yeah. yeah. Oh, he rocks. Oh, my God. He's a monster and a super sweet dude. All, th- all three sing. of them just mellow. That's another cat who can really sing. On the banks of the deep end, where your soul is your best friend. We did a bunch of shows with the Mule uh, in the southeast, which was great because that's like their home okay. turf. Um, yeah, they were they were nice and. Um, they got me up to play. I want to say it was somewhere in Georgia. But there's a boot, because they're one of those taper bands. There's a bootleg of it out on, okay. you know, out on the, on the internet somewhere. Um, yeah, we did like 3220 Blues or something and just went on and on. It was like... Okay, yep. Classic. Yeah, it was, it was fun. I mean, Warren's, Warren's a monster. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Um, is there any other big artists you played during that t- open for that well, time, or because of that, everybody liked that. We did um, uh, we did some shows with Greg Allman and Friends, which is the Winter Band, and and because of that, we toured with the the Brothers in the summer of '99.
which was their 30th anniversary year. So um, they had a bigger show than usual. With you toured with the Almond Brothers. Yeah. Yeah. I guess I did write that. I saw that. Yeah. Wow. Remember I said about Dickie Betts, like back in part one of the podcast, how I had that revelation yeah. with Blue Sky and how it changed the way I thought about playing guitar. Absolutely. And it all like came back home that summer. Shed, big sheds, right? And like I was really the only one in the band that was a big Almonds fan. And they'd always want to go back to the hotel. And I would like I would grab a stack of CDs out of the van and I would just go get lost in the crowd so they couldn't find me, so they couldn't leave. And so I got to see almost every show. Did you have any interaction with Greg or Dickie? Or? Um, no. God, Greg's one of my favorite singers. Greg, and Dickie's one of my favorite guitar players. Greg, I, I, got, I got to know Greg a little bit when we did the Friends tour okay. in the winter. Um, the Almonds, it was, a, it was a big production number. They were in buses and we were in a van, so we weren't always in the same place at the oh, same yeah. time. Um, and it was the first year of, of, um, the kid, um, I shouldn't call him the kid. Derek Trucks. Derek Trucks. Sorry. And, um, and the, the next to last year of Dickie, I think. And there was, it was a, it was a little funky. Yeah. Because Dickie was still the hard drinking guy. Okay. Greg was, was sober, but tenuously so. And, and so a lot of work was put into, you know, keeping the hot side hot and the cool side cool. Gotcha. Um, but uh, O'Teal was on bass. And um, O'Teal and, and, and Derek would, uh, would come and watch us a bunch. You could see him standing on the side of the stage, digging it. Which, wow. which made me feel really, really good. You know, it's like, especially, you know, and, and Derek, even then, he was 19, 20. He was not 21. And, a damn kid, and he was he was he was already better than Dwayne. I mean, it's, really? it's I know it's sacrilege to say that, but you know, Dwayne didn't live through the '70s, and neither did Derek. We're not alive yet, but but like the things, the places guitar went in the '70s. I think he probably would have been able to go there, but he he, he didn't get to. Derek had already absorbed all of that at 19. You know, so he had, you had like, like John McLaughlin stuff in there. Okay. You know, you had, I mean, you know, um, who was, uh, Bill Connors. I mean, like, like fusion stuff in there. Um, plus he'd still play the hell out of Statesboro Blues. Oh, wow. You know, and just this incredible technique and, and just tone, that, tone and, and phrasing on that slide that would just, would just make you cry. And, and, and a kid. I mean, really, a kid like shy and and like 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 teenagers are, you know. Yeah, I'm a big fan of his new band with his wife oh, Tedeschi. Yeah. Was it yeah. Susan Tedeschi uh-huh. Trucks or whatever? Man, she's one of my favorite singers. <laughs> They got together on that tour. What? Yep. So you had a little soap opera going on too. Lots of soap opera. Wow. We did some. Well, not on the actually not on that summer tour. They. No, I think it was on that summer tour. We had done some shows with Tedeschi in the what? spring. And so I, you know, was she pretty I've, cool? She was under a lot of pressure. 
Um, she was, yeah, and, and the guys in her band were nice. The guitar player was a Texas guy, but our paths hadn't crossed because he was a straight blues dude. Okay. Um, it, it was some, I, I forget exactly when that happened, but I know I worked with both of them that year, and, and by the end of the year, they were at item. It didn't have anything to do with me. Wow, that's it really didn't. cool. But yeah, whenever I hear, uh, yeah, whenever I hear that band, I think back to the, you know, it's like there I was in the middle of this, you know, power couple, finding each other. Cheapers. Yeah, Mary, you have uh, enough, you know, resources for another ten records. Probably all the stuff you've gone through. Um, unfortunately, we've already gone through another Again? episode. So what I'm going to do is talking about myself. Uh, Story behind the song segment this week. There's two I wanted to ask you about. Sure. Um, I'm not sure when I'll. Uh, maybe I'll play them both at the end. Who knows? I'll take. It's your, I'll definitely it's your podcast, play the Leno man. one. <laughs> what you want? I know. I, I definitely gotta do the Leno one. So okay. if your 1998 record, when the night is through, she can't let go. What's the story behind that song? Um, I was in Santa Monica making the record, and um, we, um. I thought Sunny Day was going to be the single. A lot of people thought Sunny Day was going to be the single. Uh, a lot of people like at the record company and stuff. But there was a, I don't remember all the details now, but there was a faction that for some reason was not behind that. And, but nobody could hear anything else that sounded like a single. You know, um, It's like that line in that Petty song. The A&R man said, I don't hear a single. It's like, like that, yeah. those conversations actually happen. Don't they, hear a single. Yeah, I mean, like, that's, that's like a real thing, right? And, and it's important, or at least then, it was important. Um, so I wrote that in the hotel where I was staying while I was making the record. Yeah. And um, apparently the beginning is the same as some replacement song that I had never heard of. And nobody pointed that out to me until I moved up here, like, you know, three years later. I'll listen to it closely. Yeah, I, no, we oh, don't, I rip off half it'll be It'll be obvious, apparently, because I've listened to it now, and it's just it's just a little chord, like a little riff, yeah, you know. Um not not a big deal. I just thought it was funny that I'd never heard. I mean, like the replacements are not exactly obscure, but I wasn't familiar with that song. But um, anyway, and as far as the story, it's just made up out of whole cloth. Okay. Not not about anybody. Just one side one I've been listening to today. It's a nice day. It's a good day to have a beer outside. Whatever. Um, it's all over a YouTube page. It's off your 2007 record 35. Okay. It's the song "Bring On the Night." Oh, that just badass song. <laughs> Thank what you. The, I don't care if I die. Like it just is this <laughs> big. It's just this badass song. Yeah, I might take that at the end too. Sure. I really like that song. What's, I, that, I, what's the story on that one now? I like that song a lot too because because of, of that attitude. Oh, it's badass. I had had that riff. That riff goes back to the the Almond Brothers tour days. It was just something we would like jam on while it, at soundcheck. It's awesome. It's so catchy. It's super catchy. And and I never, I hadn't, I didn't really do anything with it. It just I was waiting for something that would could, you know, something lyrically that could stand up to that, that kind of attitudinous guitar riff. Was that after your vocal stuff? Because you're giving her on that song. Uh, thirty five was yeah. Thirty five was the first thing I did after the notes. With my, so much with, for with, holding back. <laughs> you, you gotta, you gotta give them what they deserve. Oh my God! Um, but that yeah. one's on iTunes though. They can get both those on iTunes. Yeah, I think. and that um, that story is predominantly out of whole cloth. Although there's one scene that actually played out many years before that, um, but I won't say which one it was. Nice. <laughs> All right. 
Thank you to Mary Kutrafello for being on the Mark Sterry Music Podcast. Wow. Thanks to Skinner's Pub. It's a yeah. cool place down here. It's yeah, been a lot of fun. Super and, nice. And uh, so, Mary, how do people get a hold of you if they would like to book you for a show or buy some of your CDs? What's your website? It's, Whatever. It's marycutrafello.com. It's C-U-T-R-U-F-E-L-L-O. Nice. But in, Mary Kutrafello, yeah. thank you so much for being on the podcast. Uh, best luck to you. We'll hang out soon. Sounds good. Thanks, Mark. Thanks for tuning in to this week's edition of the Mark Sterry Music Podcast. Hope you've enjoyed the program. We'll see you back here for a new podcast about life and times in the live and local music scene each and every Tuesday, if not before, on iTunes, SoundCloud, and most other places podcasts are available. If you or your business are interested in advertising on this podcast, please contact me via email at Music at gmail.com. Also, if you get a chance, please go check out some live music somewhere. It could be a great and worthwhile experience. Life is short. Go have some fun. Till next time. It's always fun putting uh, new people on the show for the first time. This uh, young woman, very talented musician, has been receiving rave reviews for her uh, debut CD, uh, When the Night is Through. Uh, this is her first time here, so please make her feel welcome. Mary Cutrafello.
Yeah, bring on the night. Yeah, bring on the night. Every moment, take me to dirt. 